What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Episode 27 of the Sunday Sauce. I am back in Hoboken post-live episode week. It felt great, Joey, to do that. Wish we could do it every week, but we can only have so many nice things. And it was only right that, for those of you who saw the picture of how we had it set up, I mean, just the most, the, the jankiest microphone stand probably in the history of podcasting. We stuffed, we stuffed it in a box full of junk in my apartment. Yeah, that's on me. I, so it's a very simple thing that the most simple piece of the microphone I forgot. It's this little like clamp that you can clamp onto like a table or anything, any surface that um, you want really. And it's like literally the smallest part of the whole mic set. And I forgot that because I usually, I just keep it clamped at all times back in my apartment in Hoboken. So we, yeah, I, I, it was on top of like I bought like a like a like a seven dollar coffee table. It's like it's like four like screw on legs. We had it was that it was my iPad. My iPad was be, was behind yes. really a, a box full of crap, and we just we just like flag pulled the mic into the box full of crap, and like leaned it against. Like we were like kind of it was like barely propped up, and then we were on the same couch like leaning into the microphone. Unbelievable. But I ended up sounding, and we, had, and we had a barking dog the whole time. Yeah. It felt like we were back to uh, to the early episodes where we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Oh, yeah. Everything was like in and out. We still have no idea what we're doing, but. Yeah. We act like it, though. We do. Take it so you make it, they say. I'm, I'm really, I'm good at that. So on today's episode, we have a very, 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 very special interview with Syracuse basketball hall of famer longtime nba player as well as overseas greece athena hall of famer and state champion for all you local listeners best player best player ever athena yes mr john wallace senior so shout out alexis schmitz alexis schmitz father he's very close with john i'm sorry mr wallace senior i'm gonna keep calling that because he deserves the Mr. Wallace tab. Um, but shout out to the, to the Schmitz for hooking up this interview. As I mentioned, like we love and appreciate so much when people hit us up and say, Hey, we know so-and-so would you like to connect with them or here's what they have going on. They'd love to you to pump their brand like a hundred percent. It was an awesome interview. Talked about his draft day, playing the league, playing at Q's, what he's up to now. So that's going to be exciting for everyone to listen to. And, I know Joey and I had a blast, and it, it, it hit home for us, as many inter- interviews have, but this one was... Back-to-back to back to back local legends yes. on the show. We're very blessed to have the opportunity to speak to these people, because I know they have a lot of things going on in their lives, and take a half hour, 45 minutes, and just chop it up with us, it's pretty dope. Pretty dope. Um... We will get into the NCAA really quick prior to the interview. Football, Big Ten football, as we mentioned last week, is back. Pumped up. Big day today for me on Halloween. Oh, happy Halloween, by the way, everybody, if you participate in the festivities, whether you're young and going out to get candy safely this year. 
college kid, hopefully safely partying. Yeah, oh, no, 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 no. Have you gone on, on Instagram? <laughs> no, I've, I stayed off. You, I saw your text the other day. I was like, I don't even want to look. <laughs> Those parties we're, were worse was it in Florida? We were, Those parties were worse than we were in college. Was it in Florida? People were people were there was a zoo in these houses, which I mean, I, I, again, a hundred percent. If I was in college, I would be in the middle of that party. Um, <laughs> but again, the the years have have gladly put some sense into my head now that we're we're just old and washed up. Um, but yeah, I mean, again. You can't be you can't go blaming these kids. You got you got to blame the schools. You don't you don't want college stuff to happen. Don't don't have college. So, yeah, I think we've touched upon that many times. Unless you yeah. chain kids down to their rooms and their classrooms, and that's it, and tell them they can't get unchained for anything else, it's it ain't happening. Sorry. Are you dressing up? Do you did you go out and dress up? Well, tonight we're gonna go with a couple friends from uh, from work. Over to our, to our buddy Daryl, oh, Daryl's place, you know Daryl, and Daryl, got a what do you uh, what do you got want? a nice uh biker dude cost not even a costume. Rachel and I are like, all right, let's find some quick, like, but let's find something easy. She was coming back from LA, so we didn't have time to plan. I was busy as hell this week, so let's find something easy. So went on Amazon, literally bought like a thirty dollar biker vest and like a bandana, and I'll mm-hmm. wear like jeans and boots and look like a biker dude, and then we're gonna return the vest on like Monday. Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're being we're I'm being good. we're being that 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 couple. That's like I, don't think I, don't think I'm doing, I don't think I'm doing anything, and I I I, I kind of like it, but I also feel I feel like it's over. But like we're done. We're so yeah. boring now. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm Actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I, right I, I took that back because we. I mean, last weekend was yeah was bad 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 in a good way. Yeah, that was that was. The weekend night when I went to Joey's last weekend for everyone who didn't know, I had a blast. Like I needed it mentally. Like I've been in Hoboken and New York and Boston one other time just for your birthday in the past seven months. And other than that, I'd been nowhere else. And I was like sliding mentally. I, was like, I just got to get out. So when I had that Friday out, boom, sent it up to you. That was a great weekend. And I'm happy I decided to stay Sunday too. Cause I did have to get up at like 530 AM to drive back to Hoboken four hours, but staying for Sunday football, like culminated the whole weekend, so I was. Glad we should have saw I that did. one coming. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I watch. I'll watch yeah, I watch the. I watch the Packers game. I'll leave at halftime. Yeah, <laughs> uh, nine nine beers later and, and like thirty minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I have to stay. I have to stay. No, I can't. I can't go home. You know what got me? They had the uh, those uh, gluten free beers, the Red Bridges. It was the only gluten free beer. <laughs> I, don't, I don't drink beer usually. I'm more of like a. I'll drink you know the casual liquor and or the the, the vodka sodas and and some wine just because I can't really have beer with with the allergy. But this is this is like the only good gluten free beer there is, and that's that's what got me. So it wasn't even your hospitality or, or Tony. It was uh, the Red Bridges they had. But going back to NCAA football, we got the Buckeyes playing Penn State. This game would have been even more hyped if a Penn State didn't lay a stinker to IU last week. Um, Ruck, or all speaking of upsets, Rutgers also beat Michigan State. So Michigan State continues being a fraud college which is always nice to see they got michigan this week so they're probably gonna get busted again because uh, michigan did look great last week milton looked awesome um it's gonna be i mean losing the Rutgers is the ultimate big 10 disrespect you can't lose the Rutgers. you lose to them like you're a fish like i don't care if you win every game from here on out like your your season yeah. is over and when you, you lose the Rutgers, your season's over yes i agree 100 percent um one more big game, I guess. Big game in the Big Twelve is Texas, Oklahoma State. I know Texas is kind of 
always like iffy every year, but they still have Sam Ellinger and Oklahoma State's trying to keep their undefeated season alive. And then a big look-ahead spot here for the Irish. They're undefeated. They have Georgia Tech this week, but next week, the Tigers from Clemson. And that's just poor scheduling. Is it's this the, is the classic just college football, just like trap game? Yep. Schedule like the, like the worst team in the ACC to then go play the best team in the ACC. Yep. It's like you're like you guys you guys did it to yourself. So Georgia Tech is no longer a triple option team. I don't know if you know this. They have a new regime coming. Yeah, aren't they actually decent? Aren't they actually decent? This they're year? they're okay. The, the record yeah. may not show up, but they are they are okay. They, they are an okay team, and this could this could be a sneaky one. By no means do I know like the ins and outs of Georgia Tech and Notre Dame this year, but I just the aura of Notre Dame football is like, oh, we're starting out good this year, like five and zero, six and zero. Then boom, you that stinker loss that they get. So if it's not this week, it's going to be next week against Clemson. I don't even think if Trevor Lawrence doesn't play because of his because of COVID, like I still think they're going to be okay because that other quarterback they have who's like a man. Yeah, that guy's enormous. Yes, he's like six five, like two fifty. He's a yes. linebacker. Yeah, it's like they morphed Cam Newton and Derrick Henry together and said, hey, here's this new quarterback at Clemson after you already have one of the greatest college quarterbacks ever. Here's another, here's another one. So I think they'll be fine anyway. Two last things before the interview with John Wallace Sr. A reminder of Movember. So you guys are recording Saturday morning. So by the time everyone's listening on Sunday or beyond, it'll be officially November, also known as Movember. Jeez. Wild to think about. Yes, wild to think about. So we're pushing, what, almost eight months now in quarantine, I believe. Yes, it's been March. It's going to be forever. Yeah. So, but back to Movember, I, I put a big video out yesterday. If you haven't checked it out, just take five minutes out of your day to listen to it. Listen to what, what Movember is all about. Listen to about what the Movember Foundation does to raise money for mental health awareness, suicide prevention, prostate cancer, testicular cancer. I'll be growing a mustache all month. Uh, there's a move goal of 60 miles. I'll be running 60 miles throughout the month of November due to um, the amount of men we lose every hour on the hour across the world, which is 60 men to suicide every hour on the hour across the world. It's just absolutely horrific to think about. So it's going to be a busy month. It's going to be an exciting month. I'm not only excited for it, for the uh, the donation aspect to raise money because my, my goal is to raise over $1,000. Already at almost $300 just from that simple post that I put out on all my social channels. So thank you to everyone who's already donated. I know the words going to keep spreading, so let's just take it to the moon. Look at the uh, Sauce Pod fans stepping up. That's awesome. Yeah, already. And it's 300 awesome. bucks before the month even starts. Yes, it's so cool. So as a team, too, at the, at the Devils, we're already over $1,000 as a team, our goal of 20 before the month started. And we do a bunch of cool stuff throughout the month to, like, I know it's harder now because it's virtual, but we do a bunch of stuff to, like, activate um, mm-hmm. and – pumped our brands and i know i mean our our like our sponsorship teams and our leadership team who they know they know some very very high up people and people in our company that'll they'll be spreading the word and donating so i'm excited to see this month but secondarily i'm also excited to just have that like aspect to get up and really look forward to every single day you know because like during this quarantine especially last couple months for me it's been like i'm I'm trying to find ways to like keep my brain occupied and like excited. So this is going to be like, this whole month's going to be very exciting. I'm like competing against myself to make sure I'm raising as much money as possible. Make sure I'm holding true to that like running move goal that I have 
and just spreading awareness and making sure people are like on board with, with what's going on. So um, that's going to be cool. I'm really pumped up for this whole month. And all that's how time. I feel when I have bacon in the fridge. When you have bacon in the fridge? Yeah. It's like, all right, <laughs> got to get going today. Yeah. By the way, be- you made some unbelievable bacon last week. I must say. That was bro, some good bacon. Bro, I throw it down in the kitchen. Yeah, that was good. Bacon was good. I got, I got, some, of the, I got some of the Carla jeans in my hands. I can, yes, you do. I can, right. I can sauce it up a little bit. <laughs> Not like your father. That guy can't make toast. Yeah. This is another plug for you. Single Joey, he can cook, by the way, ladies. I hate doing dishes, though. Someone's got to do those. <laughs> As you, I don't do, I don't even see my thing. Just <laughs> up to the faucet almost. <laughs> like, like, the old, like the old Farrington sink. No, no, no. no. Never, that, that used to, like, touch the ceiling. And I would walk <laughs> in the kitchen. I would, I would gag. When I would like leave for work, and I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not doing those. <laughs> That's why it got to that height because everyone would walk by. I would be, Dude, that was I'm the, not doing those. Medium height. I'm not doing greatest, those. That was the greatest like testament of will challenge. Like, okay, who's gonna look at this the longest and not do it? And we had, <laughs> and, and me and Bird were not gonna lose. And I, and I think I forget. I don't know if it was you. I think you broke and did it that one. I time. mean, I would, all, I would do dishes because I would walk by and get anxiety. I'm like, yo, I like to cook. I'm not gonna stare at this mountain of dishes. And I know after I left when Prevost moved in, he was the guy. And maybe oh, yeah. Malcolm a little bit. And that, Corey, would, Corey would too. But you and Bird, Bird especially. Bird didn't even see the sink. It the was part like that, the, the garbage is what got I, – I would do the gar- – the garbage throws me out. I would always burn the garbage out, but the dishes, I wouldn't – I just wouldn't even – I would look at them, but that's a lot of dishes. And I would just leave. <laughs> <laughs> you asshole. You asshole. <laughs> Bird, Bird would just start leaving stuff in the in the in the living room, like uh, under the couch, like stuffing stuff under the couch and like hiding it, so like didn't have to wash it. <laughs> you could fill a garbage bag with all the crap Bird would leave around the house it's from the squirrel, the Taco Bell like bags and the Taco Bell sauce packets, then leftover McDonald's. The sushi, Bro, man, one time the, I the sat down on the couch and I hit the I hit the recliner out and a. a a liter of Mountain Dew came out one of the couch when the when the footrest popped up. <laughs> it was like a vending machine. Here, here's your empty Mountain Dew bottle. <laughs> oh, we needed that. We needed that. I can't wait to the boys hear this. We got a nice text message. Oh yeah, threatening text. I mean, God, I mean, God bless Tina, Lauren, and Lauren for living with Bird right now. Hopefully, they got him set straight. I think he's. I think he's cleaned his act up a little bit. Yeah, I don't know how straight you're gonna set him, but straight enough to. Uh, clean up his sauce packets from the living room. <laughs> All right. Time for our interview with Mr. John Walls. But before we do that, oh. don't you forget about our new sponsor, our new partner over at Woodbury Insurance, Mr. Gino Presta Giacomo. Woodbury Insurance Agency is the official insurance agency of the Sunday Sauce, our exclusive insurance agency. When you call the Woodbury Insurance Agency today, I I said when you call, not if you call. When you pause this podcast right now, call the Woodbury Insurance Agency today with referral code SAUCE. You will receive a free Wegmans gift card with a free insurance quote. That's a lot of free. A lot of free. A lot of free. A lot of free stuff to talk to a beautiful man like Gino Presta Giacomo. So, as you mentioned, call today. Office line is 585 288 
0-1. We love you, Gino, and we love the Woodbury Insurance Agency. We'll see you on the flip side. Enjoy this interview with Mr. John Wallace Sr. All right, everybody. Welcome to a big-time, big-time interview with former Syracuse All-American, NBA stud, Greece Athena High School State Champion, maybe most importantly because Joey and I are Greece Athena boys, <laughs> Mr. Legend. John Wall Sr. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. How are you guys doing? We're living. living. We're living the dream. Joey's got his uh, – his got the 44 on for you. He's the – He's the Cuse grad, mm-hmm. even though I do tend to root for, for Duke. I'm wearing this Cuse hat for you. Had one laying around. You like Duke? I do. Oh, <laughs> I was a J.J. Reddick guy growing up, and I, and I held true, so I know. I'm an all ally. right. J.J. Reddick's a good – he's a great player, man. He's tough. Yeah, so I uh, I hung on to the Duke fandom. I know I get, sh- I get shit for a lot, but <laughs> got to hold true. Got to hold true. <laughs> How uh, how's the family doing? I haven't seen John and Joey in a while, but how how are the how are the kids? Everybody's good, man. Uh, John and Joey are doing very well. Uh, Joey finished up in school at Damon. John's running his AU program up in Rochester right now, mm-hmm. and uh, and they're both fully off my pay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like another salary now. Freed up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Also wanted to congratulate you on your uh, your induction into the, the Cuse Hall of Fame. Um, wanted to Appreciate ask that, you. Man. Yeah, you got it. I wanted to ask you, though, did you, did you guys uh, party like it was 96 that weekend? Absolutely. Schmitty, we all came up. And uh, shout out to Schmitty and Joanne. It's going, I think, someone that closer had passed away. Um, so they still came up and hung out. But, uh, yeah, it was an incredible time, man. It was. Like, literally, if you close your eyes for a second, it was 96 because the music, the way we dress, we all purposely kind of dressed old school style. So it was definitely uh, 96 all over again. That's, on that. That's awesome, man. Again, yeah, be, being the fact that I went to Cuse, you know, number 44 is just, that's the, that's the iconic number at Cuse. Um, and I, I know you wore it also at Athena, but is there a story behind why you wore 44? And then also what did it mean to you to both wear 44 as as an orange man when he went there well honestly as a when you're coming in as an 18 year old you don't realize the absolute significance of the number yet right you're yeah. 18 you're just like all right that's the number i wore in high school so of course i'm wearing it in college but then you think back 30 you know almost 30 years and no one's worn the number at syracuse since i've worn it and um you know that obviously that's special in itself and then you start to get dig into the history of the number and what it really means and the actual numbers you know jim brown started it yep mm-hmm. and the number is because the uh when jim brown went to syracuse even though he's like a full scholarship player because he was black he didn't get a full full scholarship so 44 people donated money for jim brown to go to syracuse so he wore the number 44 and that's why the number 44 is so special and significant that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, like Ernie Davis, Floyd Little, you know, and, and yourself, the guys who were all in the Hall of Fame there. It's a, yeah, it's a part of the school's history, so it's awesome. Absolutely. That you have to wear it. Who gets to Absolutely. wear it next? How, how do you decide no who gets to wear it next? No one. I think it's, no I think it's, in, it's in the rafters now. It's gone. It's, it's, all right. It's over, baby. That's it's it. over. <laughs> <laughs> where it belongs. Where it belongs. <laughs> Hang it up. 
Um, so we got the NBA draft coming up in a few weeks or a month or so. Um, it's super exciting. We spoke to Anthony Lamb months ago, actually. He was one of our first guests we had. So we've been doing this for about six, six and a half months now. And then Lamb, obviously, I was tight with him playing with. He, we had him on. And this was back originally when he was prepping for like the draft back in June. So this, is, this has been pretty wild. It's been pushed that far. But the question for you is, I'd, I'd love for you to tell us a little more about your draft day story, maybe some like mental ups and downs you had, where you thought you should have went. Maybe you went where you wanted to, but just some more insight on what your draft day was like. Well, the draft day itself was incredible. Even though I didn't go as high as I wanted to go, in hindsight, I'm happy I went where I went because I'm doing so much with New York, the Knicks, and MSG. So if I if I didn't get drafted by the Knicks, I probably wouldn't be in the position I am in today, as a as a man and in, in my career. So first and foremost, I'm happy I did get drafted 18. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, day of the draft, friends, family, everyone's in town. Um, uh, myself and Stephon Marbury, we kind of combined our our pre-draft and post-draft parties. Then we went out and hung out. We partied all night till about six in the morning. <laughs> then uh, literally slept about an hour or two and had to go and meet the press for your uh, your <laughs> intro to uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's like Super Super Bowl weekend. You win the Super Bowl, you sleep one hour and you're talking to the press the next morning. Absolutely, man, and that's what it was. You know, you're can't even believe like your body's functioning but uh you know it, it was an incredible time had a, had a great great time uh partied all over new york city we went to multiple spots and shut them all down <laughs> that's what you gotta do right we enjoy it absolutely Don't play for the knicks you gotta do it right <laughs> well actually uh my very first night actually partying in new york with a nick uh right after i got drafted anthony mason rest in peace um, he, he, he called me up and picked me up and took me and my cousin and a couple of my boys out and man, he, he took it to another level. You know, <laughs> we, we had a great, great time. Um, and that, from that day forward, we were always close and boys from that day forward because mm -hmm. he showed me the ultimate love and so much, uh, just, just respect. And, you know, he didn't have to do anything for me because I'm a rookie right. coming in and for a seasoned vet like himself to show me love and like he did, uh, something I never forgot. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I feel like oftentimes you hear about like the NBA, like the family. Once you get on that team, like those guys are your boys now, like they're family. So yeah, I'm glad you, got, you had that similar path when you got there. But um, I think it's a unique sport too, because like it's a smaller. I know the big four right. sports. It's the smallest one roster wise. So it's just you and like 13 to 15 other guys on the team. So you have opportunity to be really tight with each other. Whereas like a yeah, football you, locker room, there's like 55, 60 of you. Yeah, it's way different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Football guys and basketball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but staying with the NBA, so I'm not sure how much of like the actual the bubble playoffs you watch, but how do you think the Every NBA handled the second? I didn't miss one second of it, man. Uh, it, it, it was the best basketball. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, but I, I did want to get your thoughts, and I know Kevin Garnett said that you know your guys' generation probably couldn't play in the bubble because you guys all talk too much trash and there'd be too <laughs> many fights going on, all that. So I wanted to kind of get your well, thoughts on like. Hey, it definitely hey, would have been how some you thought fights, the bubble man. was. And, oh, go ahead. I thought the I thought the NBA did an incredible job. They had zero positive uh, inside the bubble once uh, play started. Um, had a couple unfortunate incidents with uh, the house kid and all that, but for the most mm -hmm. part, the bubble went off with no no problems, no hinges. Um, very very successful, and we were able to crown a champion this year. So it definitely worked. Um, but as far as our era. Kevin, 
KG was right, man. Um, <laughs> there's no way that, you know, when you're talking that kind of the way you're talking, that you definitely got to see that person. There's definitely going to be some furniture moving. Because so. <laughs> you guys can't leave that little like, campus. Like, you're yeah. stuck there. It's like, hey, I, like, yeah, so, I heard you say that yeah. about me. It's like, we got we to gotta figure it out now. <laughs> yeah, we definitely got to have a, uh, you know, a one-on-one, a mano-a-mano. And um, so awesome. it definitely, during our time, there definitely would have been some situations where. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. It'd have been a lot of play stoppage. You <laughs> <laughs> see, like like Ron Artest and like that Detroit team back in like '04 in the bubble. I could just see that just being an absolute brawl if those boys were playing. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, but I I do want to run back to to the draft real quick and just just get your take in general. So obviously, without March Madness and a lot of like summer league and stuff like that, it's been hard for some of these fringe college guys to get looks and, and Anthony's one of those guys who lamb is one of those guys who is on the edge of, Hey, getting drafted, maybe not. So in your mind, like what should they have been doing during this time? What can they continue to be doing up until the draft to put themselves in the best position possible to, to get drafted if they were kind of on the edge? Well, in terms of Rochester, I mean, we got Isaiah Stewart, who's probably going to get drafted. Um, Anthony lamb has a really good shot of getting drafted. Uh, the Quentin Rose kid has a really good shot of getting drafted. So I hope all those guys are just working out as hard as they can three times a day. Mm-hmm. And you're bringing up Anthony Lamb earlier. He, he's he's unique because he did what you're supposed to do at uh, a, a smaller conference, a smaller the, the smaller you know mid-sized whatever college you want mm-hmm. to call him. He dominated. Every second he was there, he was the best player on the court at all times. When they played the major teams and the big time uh, programs, Kansas of the world, he put up big time numbers. He had a guard Azubuki so, too. That was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you when you when you look at the tape, the tape says he can play at he could play at that level. The, the, he's gonna have to just find his niche and find out what he's really really good at and hone in on that and and, and perfect become a master at you know whatever the NBA kind of wants from you in terms of right. scoring, rebounding, whatever it is. You know, my thing was scoring. So I had to make sure I was being efficient when I was in the game because if I wasn't, then I probably wasn't going to play much. So for, for Anthony Lamb, he's, he's kind of undersized, but he's very, you know, he, he makes up for it by, you know, his basketball IQ and being able to use his uh, athleticism and his body very well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I hope he gets drafted because a guy like him, he could probably go to a draft camp or go to the Chicago camps that they used to have, and he could probably improve his draft stock because he played very well against the really good competition. But now just one-on-one uh, in individual workouts, hopefully that bodes well for him, and he's in the best shape of his life, and he has an incredible workouts for all those, for all those teams. I wish all those guys from Rochester nothing but luck and success. But if they're, if they're not working out, first thing in the morning, one time in the afternoon, and then late at night, they're doing themselves a disservice. Yeah. But it's also, it's great the fact that there's so much homegrown talent back home in Rochester. Like, like there's a lot of big names starting to come out. It's very cool to see, like, you know, before I feel like it was, was like, you know, like there's guys like you and like every once in a while, you'd see like one guy come. I feel like in recent years, we're getting more guys that start getting more looks, I think. So it's very cool to see. Rochester's um, on fire, man. We got yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. doing very well. I, like I said, Isaiah's about to join that. 
Yep. Um, the, 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 the other two I already mentioned, Anthony Lamb and Quentin Rose. Got Nazir Carter out at Washington. We, we got the kid Jalen Pinkett at Siena. He's playing very well. He, mm-hmm. He's playing really he's, – he's good, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the Pinkett kid at, at Siena is the real deal. He, yeah. He's got good size. He's, he's scoring, I mean, effortlessly. He's, he's, he's doing what Anthony Lamb did at, uh, at, at Vermont. He's, mm-hmm. he's just dominating the league. He's a uh, player of the year already. He's just dominating the league, and uh, he's, he's going to put himself in a position to, to definitely get drafted. That's huge. Awesome. And then we got, we got Thomas Bryant, who's in the league right now yeah. for Washington, too. He's well, that, yeah, that's the first guy I mentioned. He, yeah. he, 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 finally, he finally usurped me because I had the record, you know, for Rochester in terms of he, he scored 31, I scored 30 in a game, and now he just got the big contract, the 25 mm-hmm. million, so he usurped me there, too. So I hope he keeps <laughs> doing his thing, man. He, in, a, in a year, another year or two, he should be like a 22, 25, and 10 type guy. Mm-hmm. Let's hope so. Yeah, he's, he's, one he's, one the, he's one of the nicest dudes I ever met. That was one time we scrimmaged BK before senior year college or high school, and I had to guard him for like two minutes. And like he drove the lane on me, and I like stepped in front of him, and he passed it. He goes, Yo, man, good defense, good defense. I'm like, Yo, I was just trying to like act like I knew what I was doing out here. Like, you could have just <laughs> me. I, I was always so funny. But well, he was a nice act, dude. You- you can ask me if I ever told anyone that they play nice defense. <laughs> Probably not. I, was go- I never heard it before. That's how I was like, thank yeah. you. I say thank you. <laughs> That's funny, That's man. Um, so going back, I do want to kind of go back and get in some, uh, some little Syracuse talk. So I want to ask you, because you know probably better than anybody, what, what makes Jim Beheim's zone defense so effective? And then going off of that, do you think the like, – I guess – is the NBA or even college kind of outgrowing the zone D because now shooting is, like, so prominent in the game? No. Didn't you watch the NBA Finals? Did you watch true. the Eastern Conference Finals? Yeah. The Miami, yeah. Heat, the Miami Heat beats Boston Celtics by playing zone. Fair enough, fair enough. You just got to know when to put it in and implement it in, with the right personnel. And I think Bayheim recruits according to – the zone, like the length and the size he likes. Uh, it's rare that we have a small point guard. Um, you know, Gerard is, is, is a rarity. You know, mm-hmm. normally we have like a, you know, a bigger bigger guards up top to make the zone even more effective. So right. he recruits for it. He teaches it very well. And, and it's hard to play against it, man. And, you know, because all year you got your sets, most of your sets are against man and they work and you got these plays. But against the zone, it's only a couple of things you can run, and it's hard to, to you know, really get him, you know, get into a rhythm against the zone. Yeah, yeah. And I want to ask you a kind of question too. I don't know if you know this or not, but do you think when Bayheim decides to call it a career, do you think Syracuse will keep the zone when he's gone, or do they kind of go back to like a you know a more hybrid like man defense and zone going forward? Well, it depends. It depends on who's coaching. Who they bring in, yeah. And even with coach, you know, it's all about his personnel. He plays man-to-man when he has a very good uh, defensive point guard. So we play man-to-man some because we have Mike Lloyd, who's a really good defensive point guard. Uh, when Johnny Flynn was there, they played a lot of man-to-man. When uh, when Stevie Thompson and Billy and all, they always played man back then. So it just, you know, coach plays it according to his personnel. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sometimes you're not able to go man, just like when, he, when we do our full court press. Right. To get back in the game to speed it up or whatever. So he, he shifts it here and there, but you know, we're we're most known for our zone because it's most it's very effective. Mm-hmm. 
I think it should be illegal for any <laughs> coach to come in that's not playing zone at Syracuse. <laughs> New York State law, Syracuse. Yeah, it's part, no it's who's part there. of the school's culture. Yeah, zone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but moving on to, to the business side, you've been doing a lot of stuff with the Knicks. As you mentioned earlier, it's it was a blessing in disguise for you to be drafted where you were because you're still doing a ton of stuff with the Knicks. Uh, can you tell us a little more about what you've been doing with them um, prior to COVID leading up and then now through this, this pandemic, what you've also been doing to keep building their brand as, as we get ready for next season? Well, we've been doing uh, the show MSG 150, which is in its second season we just completed, uh, sports talk show on MSG. Been doing uh, some post-game, pre-game stuff on MSG for the last couple of years. And then we just, we're actually launching a new show that starts Monday called Post and Rose. It'll be on MSG. Um, it's it's going to be uh, similar in, in format, I guess, maybe to like a, a ridiculous ridiculousness type, uh, just watching videos and making fun, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like live reaction, laugh, whatever. Yeah, live reactions, cool. and all that stuff. So that's something new. First time ever doing it, but uh, you know, something that MSG uh, kind of been grooming me for. And uh, now we're gonna uh, go ahead and we shot a couple of pilot shows. And now we're getting ready to launch it, man. So I'm excited. It's gonna be fun. Also launching a a, a vodcast on uh, on sportscasters. Um, with, we're going to do that Tuesday with my Syracuse guys. Um, my first host, uh, my first uh, guest is going to be Lawrence Moten. So we'll be nice. uh, shooting that on Tuesday. I'll be shooting that every Tuesday. So got a lot of things going on. Um, you know, just, just happy, man. And as good as you can be during these times when, uh, you know, when the world is the worst has ever been in our, during our time. So mm-hmm. um, just trying to, just trying to keep, you know, keep things moving in a positive direction and, and try not to let all the negativity around us uh, pull you down. Very good point. So that. that kind of puts the answer to my next question. Cause you sound very, very busy. I was going to ask you any thoughts of like ever getting into coaching in the no, high school, going back never. to the good old rock and getting the black and gold on coaching the Trojans. No, I don't, I don't have enough patience to coach, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm old school, and a lot of these guys that, you know, these young players, they think they know it all, and they have all the answers, don't, don't even know the question. <laughs> that's, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> Did enough enough coaching of, of John and Joey over the years, I think. That, Actually, that, that. just John. I coached John. I realized it probably wasn't a great thing. I was probably a little bit too hard on him, so I let – Kevin Legrette mostly coached Joey. Yeah, yeah, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin was so, awesome. But, he was my, I mean, he's my like, neighbor growing up, so I got to see firsthand what and, Kevin and he was, was great. Integral part in a lot of those guys, especially Lamb, like unbelievable work that Lamb did to, to connect with Kevin and that, that Kevin whole was awesome. That whole that whole team you that whole squad you guys had with Jay and Joey and Wynn. They all played Lamb. college ball. Yeah. Yep. Every kid on that team played college ball for free. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. That's the goal. That's it. That was exactly. all that is the goal. Yeah. That is the, that is the goal. Mm-hmm. All right. We're moving on to our quick hit around now. Just some fun ones. Uh, I do have a question from Schmitty. I'm asking it. I don't know if he wanted me to call him out or not, but I'm calling him out. He goes, who, who wins in the three-point contest, you or J-Mac? Is he kidding? I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, 
the only the only person that could probably and I don't know about today because I'm I don't know if Murphy still played, but Jeff Murphy is like our best shooter on our team. That's mm-hmm. the only guy that can shoot me. Every everyone else, I was the best shooter at, at the team. Even even though I didn't shoot that many threes, I was the best shooter there. Schmitty knows. If you had to, if you had to do it, you can do it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to rain on J Max parade. But come on, man. There's levels to this. <laughs> um. So obviously going to the NBA, got to play in a bunch of cool cities. What was your favorite city you either played in or just visiting throughout your time in the NBA? Well, New York is just, you right. know, hands down the best, man. It's just everything. But the sleeper city that a lot of people, you know, in the NBA know about, but was Vancouver. And we were all mm. mad when, when they took uh, Vancouver to Memphis. You know what I mean? Uh, Vancouver is a great city. I mean, awesome. Good time, man. Uh, so that's, that's a really, really dope city. And, um, a lot of NBA guys were upset when they moved that, uh, from huh. Van- moved the team from Vancouver to, uh, Memphis. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Toughest player you ever had to guard at Cuse and then in the league. Toughest player I had to guard at Cuse, uh, I really don't remember anybody being tough, man. That's just kind of like... <laughs> dominate. Yes, dominate. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just. I guess you know what, Michael Smith. I give him his credit because Michael Smith at Providence, man, he was just. And it wasn't like he was scoring on you, but he, one game against us, he had like 26, 25 rebounds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So just the hustle guy. Like, yeah. Yeah, he just the ultimate hustle guy. I mean, I mean, he he had like I think he had like 25 rebounds, 26 rebounds, and like maybe eight points, 12 points. I mean, it was, you know, so, but trying to keep him off the glass was, was almost impossible, man. That's why his nickname is the animal. And he played in the NBA with, with very limited offensive skills, but he had an incredible motor and uh, he, he was definitely impossible to keep off the glass. Very cool. Uh-huh. And then the NBA, uh, I mean, you know, the obvious is, you know, everyone's Michael Jordan, but you know, trying to guard guys like uh, Akeem Olajuwon, and I mean, you know, he was impossible, man. He had a, he had a hundred moves, right? And you know, you never knew which one he was going to do at which time. So he he was a very very uh, tough tough cover. Mm-hmm. I could imagine. I imagine. But um, so you also had some stints overseas. Did you prefer playing in Italy or in Greece better? Uh, actually, I like playing in uh. Italy better, but I, I had a better time in Greece. I enjoyed Greece more. Fair enough. Because you can't really go – I mean, they're both amazing, so you can't go wrong picking either, I guess. Right, both, yeah, both were dope, man. <laughs> Incredible. All right, we see you started an apparel company called uh, Anchor Tough, or you're, or you're part of the apparel company, if I'm, if I'm not yep. mistaken. So uh, Joey and I were looking to possibly get some T-shirts – soon for for the podcast and to build our brand so uh why is anchor tough the company we should uh maybe look to to for some t-shirts because we're made in the usa every stitch made in the usa been around for 77 years because our parent company is garing trico uh and we do all the nba nfl uniforms um we do all the military issued uniforms uh, the, the Gary and Trico company, 
uh, does about 40 to 50 million a year in business. So been around very well established and we can make t-shirts and uniforms and turn them around in most times in three weeks. So not a lot of people could do that. Not a lot of people, not a lot of companies can say every stitch and everything is made in the USA. And we're right in Dodgeville, New York, which is about, it's right in between Syracuse and, uh, and uh, Albany. Cool. It's not too far from Utica. All right. Very cool. Love to hear that. Um, so what was the coolest part about being in the He Got Game film? We saw that you were in that too. Then I still get checks today. <laughs> I, actually, I was doing some digging and I, and I saw you say that in this one article I was reading. I go, dang, that's sick. Yeah. And that, I that's the coolest Spike part, right? Lee, I'm still getting paid. Yeah. Because Spike Lee told us, he's like, man, give us everything you got on every, uh, on every scene in this movie will pay you the rest of your life. And every time I see him, I try to buy him some or give him some because he, I'm still getting checks every month. They're not huge checks, but a check is better than a bill. Right, yeah, <laughs> checks, check. <laughs> <Into that>. <laughs> <laughs> money in there, the money out. <laughs> That's right. All right, so you and Mello are two of the greatest of all time at at uh, SU. One on one. In your prime, both of you in your primes at Q. So you got them one on one. Well, you gotta remember his his freshman year is the greatest freshman year arguably in the history of college right. basketball. So you're comparing his freshman year versus my senior year, and that's just not fair to him. Even though he was seasoned and all that, but I was just so like I was, and, and our numbers are like identical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you um, went off your senior year. I, I was going through your numbers. You went off. <laughs> so our, our numbers are identical, but then I was I was a little bit more efficient because I'm older and more seasoned. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but I, I would never, to, 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 like, that's the only guy I would never put myself uh, ahead of because he brought a title to Syracuse. He had the greatest freshman year in, a, in the history of college basketball. And he, and he obviously is having an incredible NBA career and he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. So I, I would give it to Mello over anyone at Cuse. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's Pearl and Mello and Roosevelt Bowie and, you know, all those guys, they started it, man. They, they really got it going for us. That's respect right there. And then, uh, so we, we always ask our, our guests that are from Rochester. So if you had to get your go-to garbage plate, what are you putting on it and where are you getting it from? Well, you always got to go to Nick Tahoe, the original one on Main Street. Can't beat um, it. And, and, and you got to go with the, me, the te- cheeseburg patties. I don't do the hot sauce. Give me some mac, mac, mac salad, mm-hmm. little home fries, ketchup all over it, mix it all up, and Damn. man, that's the best thing on the planet. <laughs> no hot sauce though. Why? Why no hot sauce? Oh, you said no hot sauce. Huh? No, I don't do. I don't do spicy food. I don't, I'm, uh-huh. I've never even tried their hot sauce. The fact that it's called hot wow. sauce, I don't try it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even tried it. You're killing us because because Joey lives in Boston and I live in Hoboken, so right across the pond from the city. We don't there's no garbage plates around here, so whenever we ask our guests, like damn, like we're so far. Oh, you're away. in Hoboken. Hoboken's dope now, man. Like 25 years ago, Hoboken was a fucking. Uh, I mean, pardon me, but it was. It was <laughs> no, you're it was, fine. No, I heard it's it just a shithole. Disgusting. <laughs> I mean, it was disgusting. Yeah, I mean, that's what I always you, heard. You go to pick someone up, and you be like, just jump in my car as it's moving. I can't even stop around here, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
<laughs> it's so hard. That Hoboken was horrendous. <laughs> horrendous. But it's nice now, man. I came oh, yeah. I went there like a year or two ago. I was like, oh, I couldn't believe it. It's mm-hmm. unreal. That's why I can't picture him. vacation at his best. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's why I can't picture him. People tell me it was so crappy here. I'm like, no, nah, it was, man. Awesome. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was disgusting, man. I mean, wow. it was nasty. Yeah, it was really bad. Well, you, really you come back anytime when when things open up a little more. We'll, so, we'll show you around cold places. <laughs> yeah, I did a, I did a, I did a couple events over there last uh, in 2019 for the NCAA tournament. I did a, I had a couple bars around there or something. Yeah, like that little strip that's right by the water. Yep, we mm-hmm. got a couple of sports bars over there. Mm-hmm. I did, I did, I did an event over there like for this for this uh, company last year. Cool. I, I was shocked how nice it was. Yeah, it's all it's beautiful. It's it sucks right now, obviously, because I mean, there's we can still go to restaurants and eat a little bit inside, and they got outdoor seating. But once it gets cold out, it'll kind of be tough to be kind of. Yeah, everything everything's terrible now, man. Yeah, for sure. All right, my last question, another one from Schmitty. Um, the word around town: your mother makes unbelievable fried chicken. And this is directly from Schmitty. I want I my question is what makes it so great that I had to ask it on behalf of Schmitty? Well, what makes it so great is the way my mom makes it. My mom always says all her food is made with love. But it's it's just the way we make the chicken. I see as you can see, that's that's the the end of the chicken I just I just <laughs> made today. My my kids requested some chicken, so I, I hooked up it's, it's just like uh country sweetened. You know, you guys know about Country Sweet. Hell yeah. I got some in the fridge. That's Country Sweet I just made tonight for my for my kids. And uh, All right. so that you know the, the chicken is special, man, because uh the way my mom makes it with the with the egg batter and the flour and the seasoning and the you know, cooking it at a perfect temperature and oh my it's, it's just so good. Can you man. make it as good so as her now? Nah, but I I I I try. My mom is the master. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ever yeah. say I can make yeah, chicken always, better than my mom. Mom's always the best. That's for sure. Absolutely. She's she's the Jedi. Absolutely. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> well, Mr. Wallace, this has been awesome, man. Very we fun. Get you coming on. Um, Thanks, man. I appreciate you guys, man. Keep doing your thing, man. You got it. Thank we you will. so much. Yeah. yeah. Be sure. Be sure to say hi to Joey and John. I haven't seen them in in a, in a minute, so uh, say hello to them for me and Joey and. And we'll hopefully when I'm home next, I may be able to to see one of them. All right, stay in touch. All right. See you, Mr. Wallace. Thanks. Take care, Mr. Wallace. Welcome back, everybody. We know you enjoyed the interview with Mr. John Wallace Sr. What a legend. I feel like I say that word a lot. Absolute legend. That's just that phrase. But that's just what it is. If if that's what it is, it's what it is. We've had good guests. We've had we've had legit people on to talk to it's not like uh, yes we have like our friends on for like our, our pick them pod on thursday but for sunday we have like legit successful people and it's very surreal sometimes no let's not knock on our friends because uh, well, i don't care about them I'm just <laughs> all saying, our friends like, on you not successful no, <laughs> we got a great mix of our roots as well as big time legends speaking of surreal when you at when when you asked him who the hardest player he ever had to guard was, and I didn't, I, I, I don't know why I didn't think that he was going to say Michael Jordan. 
I didn't I think like, so either. I really I had. Like, oh yeah, you played against that like, yeah. your whole career. <laughs> he goes. He was, yeah. Everyone's gonna say Mike, but then also Hakeem. I'm like, Hakeem oh my Olajuwon. god. And he goes, the dream next. Like, all right, okay, two of the, the top five players of all time. Yeah, in my <laughs> mind when he said that, I'm just like, I'm trying to rewind back in the days, like, and like that I didn't get to witness, and I'm just trying to picture like John guarding the dream and John guarding. I, I just yeah, I just MJ. I'm like, I don't know why I didn't. Like, I don't know. I did, for, some reason, like, for some reason, they caught me off guard and it shouldn't have. I was like, oh, damn, like, yeah, you played in the 90s. Like, you yeah. played against all, like, the goats. <laughs> the beasts. Damn. That was a cool one. Really, really special. We'll go forward with our big four breakdown now. Kick it off with the NFL, as we always do. Rest in peace, Herb Adderley. If you are not a big football fan, maybe you don't know who he is, but – Back in the 60s, he was on the all-decade team, five-time Pro Bowler, Hall of Fame inductee back in the 80s. Um, there were people that came out within this article around Yahoo saying that he was the best corner of that generation way back in the day. Uh, he won a Super Bowl. He won Super Bowl one with the Packers, won another one with the Cowboys, 48 career picks, seven of them returned for tutties, 14 fumble recoveries. So for a foundational person – for the game of football, obviously Herb Adderley was one of them. So, rest in rest in peace to him. Let's bring back the name Herb. Herb, it's a fun name. You, there, although, there are... although although Herb, it's gotten a bad rap. When you call someone a Herb, it's not good. Yeah, there are those names though that when you hear it, you know that it's most likely not a younger person's name. Oh yeah, like a like a Herb, like a I don't know. Diane Joy, like my my honest name is <laughs> my honest name is Joyce. Like I ha, I don't know any other Joyces that are like no. young. You know what I mean? There's like it's funny how the names move with with generations. Not trying to like put a stigma of names. Yeah, what you, what you, yeah, from what, what you, I've experienced. What do you? Yeah. What are you old shaming? Are you old shaming? No. <laughs> no, but there are, there are there are names there are names that come and go with generations. So like, how many Carlas do you know? Your mom's name is Carla. Do you know any other Carlas? I think one. That's just she's the only, she's the she's the only one. Yeah, that matters. It is. That's facts. That that name's went up in the rafters. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's me, John Wallace, forty-four, and then Carlo Fier. With it's gonna have a, it's gonna have the sauce, but the sauce recipe written written below it on the rat in the rafters. Because <laughs> everyone needs that. Except show lies, so you guys all do it wrong, and then that that's the that's the classic Italian way to give someone the wrong recipe, so they don't do it as good as you. Right. Uh, but keeping it moving, we do have um, Everson Griffin traded to the Detroit Lions for a sixth rounder. Lions are trying to uh, stay competitive, which they have been, being a little bit competitive at three and three. He came from the Cowboys, though, right? Yes. He, went, he, went, he went Vikings, Cowboys, not Lions. I mean, hey, hey Lions. Um, if you want defensive help, maybe don't trade for a guy on that team. Maybe the like the worst defense of all time. Maybe don't do that. Yeah, a six just, rounder. Just my just my my novice GM skills talking. Yeah. Here. Maybe don't Very trade a team that can't stop a, a nosebleed. It's horrible. Des Bryant to the Ravens practice squad. Who cares? <laughs> Could be lit though. We'll see if he still got it. It's so fun. Uh, well, two well two things. Sports Center Instagram 
is gonna is it's gonna get the unfollow soon. I mean, they post the stupidest things on like ESPN, Sports Center, Instagram. So it's like nonsensical content, like just meaningless crap. Like you mean like it's, their videos it's, or just like their pictures? Just, yeah. yeah, on Instagram, they just, they post like just the, the dumbest things. Like they posted a picture or uh, sorry, a video. It was Des Bryant. He ran he ran like a like a two yard like curl route, <laughs> which is not even a real play in football. And he caught it with one hand, and they were like, "Oh shit!" Like Dez is back, baby. It's like, oh. it's like a any NFL receiver can literally do that. Literally any single one of them. Yes. And B, he, he go watch this video. He literally he he runs like a yard and a half, like cuts back, like one hands it, and no and like no one reacts to it. They're like, "All right, like, all right," like all like all the guys in the field. They're like, "All right," like like. Get your ass back in line. We gotta like, yeah. do actual stuff now. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget, you've been out of the league last three years. So, even when, you, back, when, when, even when you played, you had like three good years with the Cowboys. So no one cares. <laughs> I hate that, Brian. I hate. I just. I. I just love. I love what's happened to the Cowboys organization. It's the greatest thing in the world. It's. It's getting. It's getting bad now. Good. Like, I wonder if like I don't know, if Jerry is just feeding into the media too much you know I, don't, I feel like he's always talking to the media he's talking to the media you got his players talking anonymous anonymously to the media about their coaching staff like oh yeah there's there fire. seems to be no no control i mean from from a macro level like what, what we're hearing again it could be skewed because yeah, you know how the media Bro, it shows, skewed, it shows but, on the field when yeah in dolan got really the it's gonna be the cheap shot of the year he got cheap shot he got speared as he was sliding, any other team that guy's immediately that guy's gonna get fought. Oh yeah, that guy's the whole get, the whole offensive have, like, line is at that dude. They're gonna try and kill him. I don't think one guy even like looked to see if Dalton was like okay. They all just walked to the sideline. Yeah, like that's bad. I don't care how bad you are on your record wise. Like I guarantee, like I, was, I said something on the pod when I was just rambling solo. Like if that was the Jets, like the Jets would de- would defend like Flacco or Donald. Like they would fight someone, and they stink. The Cowboys just don't care about anything, and it's bad. They, bad for Cowboys fans. I I think it's amazing because I couldn't care less about them. They're playing. They they play like they're owed something this year because they were talked oh, yeah. about in the offseason as a contender, which I did genuinely believe. Like, hey, they have a great offense, but I guess I clearly did not think about what was going to happen to that defense. I did, overlooked that completely. But whatever whatever's going on in that locker room. Not to mention, you're getting absolutely slapped across the face by the Washington football team yeah. and, and your quarterback's getting killed. And there's, and there's no, no one cares. A team that doesn't even have a quarterback or a name wiped the floor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or a name. Literally, a quarterback or a name. Beating, beating the brakes off them. Like I know the Eagles lost to them and that was a bad game, but like this game was a good, this game was first whistle to last whistle. Like it, it was never in doubt, Like they were just beating the absolute crap out of them. Did they even – what was the final of that game? Because – uh, 25 to 3. Okay, so they didn't score a touchdown. I, three I, points. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that it was like – I can't, they can't even get a damn end zone. But we can move to the uh, Super Bowl. They're planning for a 20% capacity. Some positive news. We're going to have some fans in the building because of the Super Bowl. That would be pretty cool. I read that this year? I don't know, I don't know where it's at. Uh – I can look, I can I can look it Check up. Check it out real quick. Yeah, I don't know why I'm blanking too. How, in the meantime, though, I was reading an article about how just some of the media companies have to really uh, 
tone down their staff that they're sending to the Super Bowl, which seems obvious, which sucks because that immediate media day, media week is kind of huge to the Super Bowl. But it'll be interesting to see how they navigate that. Tampa, okay. Damn, Tom. Tom might make it to. That team is complete. That's scary. If they, if they play, continue playing that defense, and Tom can just be okay. Like he's been playing well last, like couple weeks, like really well. Bro, the last, bro, last game. Last was... two weeks, he's been balling. Yeah. He doesn't even scared. It's it's ter- yeah. it's terrifying. He's forty three. Yes. Throwing absolute dimes. Just they like were showing bread basket. Who's I listening to? It might have been um, straight out of Vegas on Fox Sports. I listen to their podcast pretty frequently. And they were talking about how Tom's numbers right now, his completion percentage, his yards per game, and something else is actually higher right now than it was in that, what, 07 season when he, like, had with the greatest Ma- year. With Moss? Yes. Jesus. He, isn't that nuts? Like, when – so, like, obviously he's been – and this just comes with age, not as good as Tom was like years ago. He looks good. However, when I watched him play against my Packers, a couple of those dimes he threw to Gronk, I was like, There's the first thing beams. I thought was, thank you, Jesus, that he was not in NFC North for the last 20 years. Like I just, I immediately went to like Bills, Jets, and Miami fans and just empathized. I was like, wow. You guys had oh, to yeah. deal with that. Like, it was third down and long. Like, they had great coverage, and Tom just dropped, like, a little pea-sized dime. The only place he could have put it was right there, right in the Gronk's hands, like, twice in one drive. And I'm like, damn. First of all, this is what, like, all the NFC North people must feel like about Aaron Rodgers. So I was like, okay, I guess I understand it. But then secondarily, I was like – Yeah, it was a different level with him. A different it's level, he... yeah. This dude yeah. won Super Bowls because of it. Like, wild. Final party in the NFL, though, we got Carolina, Arizona, Thursday well, night we, football. We botched that pick, huh? Botched it. I'm sorry, not Carolina, Arizona. I'm saying Carolina, Atlanta. I'm yeah. sorry. Carolina, Atlanta. I have um, no read on the Falcons. Are they good now? No. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm telling you now, it's Julio. That was all He's, Julio. Dude, he is disgusting. Bro, unreal. Because, dude, he dude, he's that guy who was like – he wasn't – he he wasn't fading away, but I feel like his like aura as being known as the best receiver in football was kind of slipping. But I I don't like it, like more so like like, like media wise, not him. Right. And he was like, "Yo, like I'm Julio Jones." And he yes. came back his last two games. He's been eating, Respect eating people me. alive. Yeah. <laughs> Jet Jones. He uh. So this this game was so weird to me. It was thir- the over under was fifty one and a half. Had the over. Was so confident they scored thirty points in the first half. Like there was. No, it was just chunk play. It wasn't like there was no offensive fl- like flow to either team, in my opinion. It was just a couple yards, couple yards, chunk play, chunk play, yeah. stuff, stuff, stuff. Like that was, was like, cool. It was cool. Great pace. Second half, stinker. Barely scored. The, the Falcons defense looked good to some degree. What is this? So I don't know if they're going to make a run. I don't know. But. I was, this was a big game for Carolina to take out. You can go take a lead, get a winning record, start really building momentum, getting McCaffrey back. Like, That's a weird division, too. Very odd. Should have known, though. In, 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 in division games are always weird, especially on Thursday night. We should have known. Whatever. And, and plus, and, and the, they already beat the, uh, the Falcons once this year. Mm-hmm. 
we both picked the sweep for the season, which usually doesn't happen with in-division games. Right. That's all we got for the NFL. Moving on to Major League Baseball. It's happened. The Dodgers have won. Finally, dude. I was getting nervous there for a second. Yes, so was I. Congratulations to freaking Clayton Kershaw. Yes. Well-deserved. I know we were both pulling for them. I don't know. Some Apparently, who's telling me? My dad is rooting. For, I think my, my Nana told me. I called her on her birthday when I was in Boston. She goes, yeah, I think your father is rooting for the Rays. They go, not my father. So yeah, dad, right, if you yeah. were, you're disowned if you were rooting for the Rays. But we were all, all on the Kershaw bandwagon. Two great starts in the World Series for him. Um, he could have maybe won the MVP just off of, you know, merit, but it definitely deserved to go to, to Seager or Mookie, in my opinion. Seager's story. We arguably saw probably – I'm trying I'm trying to, like, think back to, like – because every, every year there's there's one or two guys who get hot in the playoffs, obviously. Like, this year, do like, a Rosarena and Seager and Turner, like – I've legit. never seen a hotter hitter in my life than Randy Rosarena. That's No, I know. I'm saying, like, there was a – a, a collective of guys this year who are just yeah. absolutely raking. Raking. And for Corey Seager, too, people don't realize he was hurt. He was hurt, and that's why they got Machado last year for that rental. And right. so it's a great story for Seager, too, coming back from a big injury. Like, he was – the scariest part about Dodgers is all of these dudes have been homegrown. Besides yeah. – besides, besides pretty sure almost, yeah. almost all of them, if not all of them, have been homegrown, which makes it even scarier because they're going to be good for another decade. They've already been in the World Series, like – four of the past seven years or five, whatever, the five of the past seven years. Like, it's going to continue. It's, they're not going anywhere. They're going to continue reloading. But Seager was, like, one of their OG dudes who came up. Like, that's when the, the whole Dodgers oh, yeah. turn started. Like, Corey Seager is the guy. Like, he's the future shortstop here. Like, focus on Corey Seager. And then all the rest of the guys started coming up, and they bring on Mookie. But yeah, he got, I'm just happy he got, for him. He got, for, he got, like, kind of forgotten because they brought in Machado, who was – I mean, Machado, he's obviously one of the best players in the league. Yeah. But like one, everyone's everyone like they all panic. Like, oh, they, when Machado left, everyone panicked. Like oh, like, they have no shortstop now. It's like dude, they still have they yeah. still have they had Corey Seager as a backup shortstop. Like yes. what? The farthest thing from backup. He's legitimate. So like, like, yeah, like that year on the depth chart, like, he was their backup. It's like dude, he's like, he should be a starter on literally every single team that doesn't have Machado at that sure. point. Sure. We can't. We can't, there's two more things we need to talk about with this game. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Kevin Cash first, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my take re- real quick before you go. I know you're probably gonna go off about analytics, but I've gone off enough about this. Kind I know of you crap, have, but I'll let you I'll let you go. There's two things I want to talk about. First of all, I'm not gonna say I understand the move, but in the Rays' standpoint, they're the one team that they have done analytics and used it to nauseum this whole year. They're not a new team like the Yankees who just randomly used it in game two. And the same thing with the Dodgers randomly used it in game two. So while I would, would I have captain Blake Snell 1 million percent because there's a difference between using analytics for a dude who's throwing well, but still getting hit hard. And he's just getting lucky with outs. They're going to the, they're just getting hit into the glove of the defense. And then there's what Blake Snell was doing, which was literally dicing up that entire offense maybe one of the greatest offenses we've seen in our lifetime definitely the greatest offense this year and probably in the past couple years he was making them look foolish like 
he was not slowing down. I don't care if it was the third time from the lineup. This isn't the regular season where you can really use analytics with a big sample size. This is the moment. This is the moment Blake Snell, probably his entire, definitely his entire life, because any pro in the World Series has been waiting for this moment. So you, you keep him in that game, 1 million percent. The only, th- the only side I will see it from on the, the, the Rays side is like, hey, we have lived or died by analytics. It's what got us here. So we're going to continue using it. So I can understand it from that sense. But in this finite game, in my opinion, and I know a lot of those opinions, you keep him in the game. And he knew it. He said it in the press conference. He's like, outside of that, he said, outside of one hit that I gave up, it was a, a bad pitch I made and they paid, made me pay for it. He goes, I was cruising, man. Like, that lineup is scary, and I was cruising. Like, for someone to say that, they knew how well they were throwing. You don't take that out. So that's just my read on it. I wanted to make sure I get it out before anything slipped my mind. But yeah. to the raised defense, like, I get it. You use analytics. You're the, you're the team that does it, so you're going to stick true to it because that's what got you here. That's what, that's, what, that's what won your wild card game. That's what beat the Yankees. That's what held on to the, the game against Houston. That's what got you – to game six of the world series. So they did it. But that one, this one time is an exception for me. So I don't know what, what your take is. I, I, I think I know what your take is, but. Oh, uh, no. I mean, I want to make sure. Obviously hindsight is 2020. Right. It's, it right. Was, that's also it, true. It was going to be the best move ever or the worst move ever. And it ended up being the worst move ever. Uh, my thinking is that like the reason why the Rays are so data driven is because they don't have the rosters like the Yankees, like the Dodgers, like the Red Sox. They don't have the guys who can just go out there one-on-one. I'm better. I know, I know I'm better than you. I don't need data. I'm just going to do my, I'm just going to play baseball. Mm -hmm. That's why the Rays do that. And that's why they're, that's why they were good this year. I'm not saying analytics again, analytics belong in baseball, but there's, 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 there's obviously, as we've seen time and time again, in the play in this playoffs, there's a time and a place for analytics, right? It should not be real. Like, I, it, it, I mean, I think Aaron Boone had probably, the, had probably the biggest blunder in playoff history and recent Yankee playoff history with what he did with J-Hap. The Dodgers, for some reason, the Dodgers doing it to me is, is even more absurd because the Yankees obviously on paper were are scary, but they weren't like being the Yankees in that series, like hitting wise. LA, which has been, has been raking all playoffs. And they try to get cute game two and do like the opener. It's like, dude, you had the best lineup in baseball. Yes. Pick a pitcher, throw him for four innings, and hit the ball. You're gonna score four or five runs guaranteed. Hit the baseball. You don't have to get cute. The Rays, the Rays have to get cute because outside of Randy Rosarino, who during the year he didn't even get called up till the end of August. Doing yeah, it wasn't yeah. yeah it, like these guys weren't these guys weren't hitting that great. Like obviously they won the AL East, but they weren't like they weren't mashing. No, in like the whole were, playoffs they were they were. They right. had oddly timely hitting, and then a Rosarina was the red hot guy. Right. They just randomly hit bombs. Like so, the Rays, the Rays have to get have to get cute and get tricky. That that's that's their team mantra. That's fine. That it obviously it obviously worked. They got to the World Series and almost won the World Series. But these managers, somewhere along the way, just got their nuts chopped off by the, by the front office. So they just obviously can't make their own calls on the fly anymore, which is so done to me. I I guarantee they have like pre like pre like preset. Um, game plans going into the game like hey you know if Snell you know if Snell hits like x y and z requirements we got to take him out and obviously there's no there these managers have no say in whether or not they want to go against that which they, they it's it's their team so I, I just again hindsight is 2020 if he took out Snell and their bullpen started dealing he would have been like he would have been a genius if they won that game 
Um, but obviously the complete opposite happened. And it's the other thing, again, just like these guys just got to start getting back to playing baseball. Blake Snell, Blake Snell is the face of the race. Like he's their ace. He's been their best player for a couple of years now. You don't have a guy in your bullpen that's going to out throw him, especially when he is literally like that was, that was probably as good as Blake Snell's ever going to be in his entire life. Like, he, like that, this is what he, all of his work in his whole career led to that game. And it mm-hmm. was paying, he was at, dude, you said that he was making look foolish. He made those guys, it looked like, like all of their, like their first at bats in, in the majors. They were missing fastballs by a foot. Mm-hmm. And these guys were, and this is going to one through nine, 20 plus home runs this year, probably 15 plus home runs. They all, one through nine, all can hit the ball yeah. 500 feet like without even trying. And he made them, the guy missing fastball. Like, there, I think there's one breaking ball that I think, I think it bounced, like, it, had, it bounced and it was going to bounce again, I think, like going to the plate and the guy swung at it. Yeah. Like, that was that- Blake Snell at his absolute peak. You have no one. Probably no. I don't think any team really outside of a, like a handful of teams have a guy who's, who's gonna come out and throw cold, ice cold off the, out of the bullpen and do what he was doing. So it just it's just really sad to see that managers obviously aren't managers anymore. They're they're more sort of faces of the team. I guess like they're more so, they're kind of like they're kind of like coaches now. I know it kind of sounds dumb because they like a coach and a manager are different. Like this, the manager should have the control first pitch to last pitch. Okay, who the hell do I want in this game? And obviously, it's not them making the call. And it's like it's someone in the front office, probably some little some little dork who never played baseball, and look is looking at just raw stats. And as you mentioned, like the reason why like their their defense was, oh, it was Blake Snell's third time going through the, the lineup. That only matters again, as you said, if they're actually hitting the baseball. They weren't hitting the ball. I don't care if it was their tenth time seeing him. He was he was making them look idiotic at the plate. Mm-hmm. So, it's a, it, it was know. a pre it was a predetermined move in my mind. Yeah, that, that, it, which, no matter how good, so stupid. Yeah, no matter how good Blake Snell was throwing or how bad, if he made it the third round, yeah, if he made it the third time yeah. through the lineup, he was getting pulled. So so dumb. It just yeah. I mean, and data in the analytics that they would hundred percent belong in baseball, and they, it obviously works better for some teams than others. But it's like at at some point you have to let them just go play the game. Mm-hmm. They'd be like that. They'd be like if they like if they pinch hit a Rosarena because he oh like this guy in our bench has a better matchup versus this pitcher. It's like no, this guy's hitting nine hundred in the playoffs. You, like I don't care who I don't yes. care if it's you bring back Bob Gibson to pitch. Like you're gonna leave this guy in forever. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't pinch hit for him. Why are you gonna pull Blake Snell out when he's when he's throwing the game of his life in the World Series? I don't know if there's if there's a stat or an analytic driven stat for Big Mo, but when it's on your side. You take it and keep continue rolling with it. Obviously, and they're they're so yeah. dumb because they had a, they were the ones riding it. They had right. they had some no name rookie having the best playoff probably ever that we'll ever see. Yeah, and then they on the flip side they they go against that with a with like it, it made no. Sense. I don't like, think you, anyone would have ever but be- I don't think anyone would have been mad if it was the flip side. If they would have kept Blake Snell in for that inning and say he had a bad inning, no one would have been like, oh, you should have taken Blake Snell out, dude. It was. You knew it was the third time around. Like, no, he was dealing. Right. And he got even, hit, even, finally. Even if you did catch heat, that that just comes that comes with being you're the coach. That that that's the right. That's the blessing and the curse of being coach. Either you're the the, the hero or you're the one that everyone blames. And if you sure. don't if you don't want that, don't don't be a coach in any sport. That comes with the with being a coach. Yeah. And so, listen, I also understand, and this is the last point I want to make is we, we got to move on from this. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand it's, a, it's it's this is the the magnified mistake. Like there, there is hundreds of little micro 
micro instances throughout the season where analytics saved a lot of yeah, situations oh, and probably the game for more sure. more times than not has done great things especially for the Rays. but when something goes bad that's just like the nature of the human mind like you overreact like oh analytics what the hell is this analytics crap it's like no nah, like this was just one mistake you don't hear about all the positives analytics has done especially for a team like the Rays. and like built their team that's the that's the that's yeah. the Rays team so like all yeah. those great pieces that have come in is because of analytically driven teams especially on the small market side so oh, yeah I want Which, people to understand, like, hey, we're not. Kevin Cash should have the wherewithal as a baseball manager. Right. To, hey, it's like, hey, my yeah. guy's okay. He's he's shoving. I'm not gonna. I'm not, I'm not pulling him. Exactly. That's that's so, the point we're making. It's like that should be his job. Where you... like, have have I and my gut, like, okay, I, I'm a baseball guy. I know baseball. I am not taking this guy out of the game. Yeah, yeah. Because because it, it, it bleeds on more than just like you bring in the next pitcher. Like the team sees it. Like they feed. They fed off Snell. Like deal. Like Snell was pissed. He, he, he goes. He goes. What? He goes. What the fuck are we doing? Yep. And right yeah, after that, what happened? Out. Right after that, he goes, immediately. What is? What are we doing? Yep. Immediately, right after that, Dodgers scored. Yeah. That was it. That was game done. So, anyway, that was that was a good talk about it though, because we I think we broke it down well and just explained like we understand analytics, we understand that like some scenarios need to a little more, a little more trust your gut, trust your stud, trust your momentum. But hey, that's why we're uh, sitting here on our asses on a Saturday morning and not coaching because we didn't. Maybe we shouldn't be because there's some guys that are just highly questionable with yeah. their with what they're doing in some of these sports but final part of this this series though I uh, yeah <laughs> justin turner told i was told in the middle of the game that he tested positive for covid he was so pulled from the game wild scenario yeah no one knew why during the game until towards the end or after the game boom came out justin turner tested positive for covid apparently before like there was a botched result i think in the second or third inning so they let him continue playing which i guess is pretty wild because if it was positive like should you just i guess precautionarily took him out they did take him out late in the game for the dodgers good thing it didn't cost him anything because i know he's a stud but then that's not the most important part of this situation because COVID is but then he came back out into the field and took a picture with the team with a mask on then took his mask off sitting right next to dave roberts went to kiss his wife after that. So <laughs> I don't really care where your take is on COVID. Like, am I someone who – I want to say I'm over it, but am I someone who's back to living my somewhat normal life? Yes, but I don't think in this instance there's any way you can defend what Justin Turner and the Dodgers, frankly, let him do. Like, the league did such an amazing job outside of a few small outbreaks of completing the season without really a bubble until the playoffs. And then this happens – on the final day of the season, after the Dodgers won the World Series, such a positive day for the game. They completed the the COVID-stricken season, and then this happens. And I, I guess I just don't understand. Like, I understand it from this, like, standpoint of, damn, dude, this guy can't celebrate with his team. Like, that crushed me. Oh, oh, oh. All he had to do was just wait till they came back to the clubhouse and just got wasted with them, and no one would have known. He could have just waited until the acts of the game. Yeah. But, but again, I'm, I, I mean – how how who are we knocking some guy who just won who was an oh I'm not knock, I'm not like, knocking I, no, I, I'm, no, I feel like, bad I feel horrible like, it's like you like you like this guy has to not go out and like get in that team picture yes. like hey we just won the like, he, again, he's one of their best players who like yes. led them there won it for them so I'm not knocking him there but like he obviously he just he should just dude wait in the clubhouse like get all the beer ready just get all the beers you want like just wait back there they'll all come back you guys get wasted you celebrate and no one no one would have seen it. Yeah. 
But I, but I like you want on the field, and like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the optics, know, it's, the optics of it. it, it yeah, it's it not is good for the game. But oh, trust me, like you play, you play your whole. Because it's it's his own choice. Like he can choose what he wants right. to do. It's not my, I can't tell him what he can't sure. can't do. Um, and obviously the players didn't. They didn't care. Like obviously they. Oh they, yeah. They're like get out, get out here. They don't care. But you play, you, you, you work something for your whole life. Yeah. Do yeah. this. It's just more so like the. It's the way it looks. It's the way it looks. The way it looks. The you when you're around. Obviously, when you have from what we've been told, anyway, it's it's a very easily contracted disease so like or, or illness so you can spread to the rest of the team that team goes home with their families it could spread you right. never know who in that group and who in their families groups could be at risk so like i get it he should have been they should have been everyone should have been more cautious of it but do i see it see it from justin turner's mind it's like dude i just worked for 37 years for this and like finally right. got it and this freaking virus all of a sudden shows up on the final day yeah. of the biggest day of my life like you freaking kidding me so it's it's a very, very push. It was just nice. Like you, you, you're watching the game. You see, oh, I turn has COVID. Oh, oh, shit, he's got COVID. And the game ends. You see him like out in the field, like party. I'm like, oh, like, how's he? Like, how's he there? Like, what's like, going on? He's out there. <laughs> <laughs> like at that oh point, it's like, I mean, I it's, it's a, it was a weird thing. Yeah, weird dynamic. So, I don't know what else to say about it, but optics wise, didn't look great. But from the, if I was Justin Turner's mind, like, shit. I was like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> that was me. Like, at that point, I'm like, all right, yo, boys, I'm, I'll be, in, I'll be in the clubhouse. I'll be, I'll be ten deep by the time you get back yeah. here, and we'll, and we'll. I'll go. I'll like put a put a hazmat suit on me, that, and then <laughs> yeah. just give me a little funnel, funnel. Yeah, the give me a funnel. Yeah, hazmat suit and a funnel. Um, Mets deal is done, officially. The Blasio in the city finally signed off on him. Purchasing the team becomes the most expensive sports franchise purchase ever, I believe, from what I was reading. Um, more than uh, David Tepper's purchase of $2.2 billion when he got the Panthers in 2018. So I'm sure Mets fans are pumped to have someone to come in and actually spend money and get the right players instead of just spending money on players past their primes or overvalued players. Hey, Syndergaard uh, came out. Syndergaard, I was like, yeah, he was you know, I'm just glad. I'm glad they have someone who will hopefully, you know, pay players, respect the players, and not treat them like dirt and like they're actual not like not human pieces. Like, because the Wilpons, like they like they just made, they would just trade guys for the, for just the, the trade guys. They would do it, do it. Like just they wouldn't make sense. They weren't good moves. And I mean, I, I mean, I hate the Mets. I don't really care what happens yeah. to them, but. I can't even say I hate them. I don't really care because they're just not relevant to me. They are. They are relevant. Yeah. But maybe they'll bring New York. But it is fun when you have a great subway series. It's just like Boston. It's like Yankees, Red Sox. When one of the teams right. sucks, it's just not as cool. But when they're both good, right. it's like must. Amazing. You got to watch. Yeah, yeah. it's must watch. Uh, Tigers hiring AJ Hinch. Detroit the sl- taking a big risk. Sleeve balls of Detroit strike again. I mean, well, uh, Tiger, Tiger fans, you can't. You can't be happy with this. You guys, are, you guys, you guys are you guys are the absolute bottom feeders of baseball. Just, just complete, complete non-competitive, worthless franchise. And you go out and you hire the 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 most scumbag manager to ever exist in baseball. Well, I, I just I don't I don't get it. I don't know again unless you're trying. If they come out and saying. If they come out and say we're trying to cheat, I'll respect them. 
if they just come out and say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna cheat this year," I'll res- I'll <laughs> we're gonna play better <laughs> because you guys are terrible. And I I I don't think any I don't think whoever you hire isn't gonna fix the the team the team the, the players just are terrible they stink. But to go out and hire this guy one year removed off of what he did, and obviously since the GM had come out and like has basically was like. AJ Hinch was like, "Don't blame me. Like, this is like this is this guy's fault." Like the Astros GM was like, "I didn't do anything. Like this is this is all this is all Hinch." I just I don't, I don't, it's wild that a the that MLB is even letting letting him be hired a year after the suspension because he got he already got a light slap on the wrist as it was. Um, but dude, Detroit. I mean, you guys you guys weren't respected before this, and I guarantee you'll be you'll be less respected. By a landslide by hiring this this scumbag, maybe in their minds like, hey, we can't get any worse, so let's just like rip another bandaid off, hire AJ Hinch. That way we just we get all the crap at once, and then once we start getting better again, then the, all of the bad talk about our team <laughs> and our coach is gone. We'll never we'll never <laughs> see them be good. They, dude, they are they are bad bad. <laughs> I'm trying to find you, some light. If they, if they hold a press conference, I, I, I literally, I'm saying this in dead serious. If they hold a press conference and they say we're gonna cheat in 2021, I'll be like, I kind of like, I kind of like, I kind of like them now. Like if they come on and say, hey, we're we're gonna play dirty, we're gonna cheat, and we're gonna try and win, I'll be like, all right, more power to you. But if you if you hire if you hire this loser in good faith, thinking he's an actual good coach, I mean. As an already as an already defeated franchise, who literally is, is like is the worst, probably the worst franchise in baseball. I just I don't I don't get the move at all. Yeah, I don't read it into it too much, but just from the outside at a very high level, it just doesn't look great. But I mean, I'm sure he's a good coach outside of that. Like if you just I don't it's hard to take that away, but I don't know. they clearly saw something in the hiring process to bring him back. Speaking of coaches. <laughs> The White Sox, the young and up-and-coming, exciting White Sox, hired Tony Larusa, and this is no, by the way, this is no disrespect to Tony Larusa because he was an unbelievable no, coach in her career. No, he, however, oh, no, he's a Hall of Famer. He is on the wrong side of seventy-five, trying to now coach a team that's like literally a couple pieces away from being legitimate World Series contenders. So again, from the front office, maybe they saw something in their interview process. Where Larusa can connect with these young guys, but dude, dude, he was, he was like fifty-five when like half of their guys were born. I mean, the White Sox are electric team. Our boy, our boy Danny, up for a Gold Glove by the up way. Up for a Gold so Glove, sick. so Shout sick. Out Danny Mendick, uh, dude, they're literally they're just they're the, this like I don't want to call them ragtag. There's they're a group of like prospects and like guys who were like either playing like over their heads a little bit or they're, just, they're all just like coming into form at the same time. All these like 25 and under guys who are just going to be, going to be freaks of nature come like five, six years. Mm-hmm. And you go, you go and hire Tony La Russa, who again, a, a, a hall of famer, great coach. Again, really, this is literally zero, zero point. This is zero disrespect to La Russa, but I just don't get this move. You hired probably the oldest possible manager that's like out there for hire. To like the most, the youngest, most up and coming team in baseball, who's like ready to go over the hump, and you got this guy, who was just like, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I just don't, I don't get it. And again, it's not a knock on him. It is, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how it's gonna work. You got, you got literally, both ends of the spectrum, 
and we'll see. I mean, I don't think I don't think it will it will affect their play at all because their skill skill will triumph any coaching in most sports. So they'll still be good. Um, mm-hmm. This is an absolute wild hire. Yeah, <laughs> wild. Lewis is a legend though, so maybe he'll come in and I didn't even know he was, he'll sprinkle some of that legendary. Uh, still like around the game. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I think it'll be a cool, it'll be a fine dynamic. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. But final portion, moving on to the Yankees, because we always need to. They picked up Zach Britton's option, but not Brett Gardner and J.A. Happ. If they try and restructure a deal with J.A. Happ, I will be sincerely pissed off. I do think Gardner can – I do think Gardner has a place on this team. I know he's – as you were talking about before the pod, he's the only guy left from the 9 team, from the Atlanta World Series team. Um and I do think he he has the clutch gene. I think he provides great at bats, but I don't think he should probably be that starting left fielder anymore. No, no, no. Um, he's he's definitely a guy that you you throw a couple yeah. million his way. Yo, you're our reserve outfielder. Someone goes down, you come yes. in, you come in frictionless, and you're in the lineup a few games. You're fine. Play. He still plays decent defense. He he's never had an arm, so I don't really care about that. He's never yeah. he's, he's never had an arm. So like that 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 argument he will he will give you he will give you a hundred percent every game. That's one thing I will not knock on Brett Gardner. There's a lot of times oh, yeah. I'm like up and, and down on him. I'm hot and cold because there's days he'll really be on fire and other days it's like what the hell. But you're gonna right. get you're gonna get balls to the wall every single game from him. So that's why I think he still I think has a he, I think he even has value. You can give the guy a few million dollars to be like your player coach because obviously Aaron Aaron Boone is Aaron Boone is is probably one foot out the door at this point whether you like him or not. Like, I think that's just, it's just trending that way that he's probably going to be gone soon. Um, and I think Gardner is still a guy who carries a lot of weight in that clubhouse. So they all respect him, obviously. So yeah. I think it's a, good, it's a good investment to have a, you know, have a guy in case there are guys. I, I have no idea if the players like or don't like Aaron Boone. I'm sure they, I'm sure they all like him. Yeah, but to have a, guy, like, have a guy like that who's won a World Series, they went with the Yankees his whole career. You know, a million dollars or two couldn't hurt to have a, basically, basically a, a player coach in your clubhouse like to keep the guys in check. So... Mm-hmm. But uh, again, if dude, if they give, if they give J Hap a penny, uh, I mean, I already have the Aaron Boone right scheduled. I'm gonna go berserk one day. The fact that he's been, he's probably gonna get. I I really hope he doesn't get resigned. I hope he, I hope we do go a different direction. But if they give J Hap a penny, dude, I'm gonna. I don't know what I'll do, but I'll do something. If they give that guy literally a single penny to play baseball. Mm-hmm. Because you can get a D3 college pitcher to go out there and probably do what he can do, if not probably a little, a little better. He throws 88 miles per hour. I'm not, I'm not doing this again. I'm not doing it again. Don't do it. Don't do it. We're just, not, just, we're not. Please, just, just, get, just move on. Just delete button, Jay Half from Yankee history. Delete, delete button. Delete, 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 delete. We're control, done. Delete, control, delete, control, delete. Move on. Just, just move NBA. on. We're... NBA talk, NBA talk, NBA talk. Nothing about that. The league says all 30 teams can now open facilities for practices and scrimmages for up to 10 players. Another positive sign with the league. NBA always on top of things, always ahead of the game, always trying to be progressive and then figuring things out. So we'll see how that goes, but it's exciting for teams. Um, I know they wanted to come back for that December 22nd day. I know that NBA PA says no. They don't want to do that, especially for the teams that that's gonna be tough just got home from the bubble. Like you yeah, want to start yeah, a new that's, season. That's way, that's way too soon. Like usually you finish in what June if you win the whole thing, and you have the back half of June, all so of July, all of August, like all now. of September, 
all of October. So essentially, like four full months off. You're yeah. telling me LeBron specifically, and, and that just both teams, we'll say the final four teams that made it, they went that deep into the bubble. And you're going to tell them, hey, after two months, you're back. New season. No, their, their bodies need that recovery. You, you need it. Than that, they weren't they weren't they weren't home for like for a few yes. months like with Mentally, like their families. Physically, yeah. So I don't I don't think it's a great idea to start on December twenty second. I understand you want to maximize revenue, you want to play as many games as possible from a business standpoint, but the play it's a player's league. So if your players aren't at hundred percent, if their bodies aren't right, if they're mentally not right, like that that's gonna be, in my opinion, more of a long term effect than trying to maximize revenue of ten more games. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. You're risking, you're risking, in, you're risking their injury, their body's not being ready, and if you lose, if you lose a LeBron or something like that to an injury, an AD, a Kawhi, a Jamal Murray, like you lose guys like that to injuries because they didn't get enough time off, that's setting back your revenues a lot more because you're not seeing them on national television every night. You're not getting the view, the, the views you want. You're not getting the excitement for games. So it's more of a, hey, let's think long term instead of hey, maybe we can get some revenue over ten more games. I think it's more important to. Make sure the players are ready to rock, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But the Jazz have been sold for $1.6 billion. Some exciting news. New ownership in the Jazz. I think they're a team that's exciting Look, moving forward as well. So congrats to uh, the new group, ownership group over there, the Jazz. Some uh, front office moves as well to, to talk about. Uh, Daryl Morey. Going to the 76ers. He's bringing on Sam Cassell as well. And uh, this is an exciting move for the Sixers as a whole. I mean. How scared are you that they're going to just trade for James Harden off rip? No. <laughs> oh, we, we, we briefly talked about this in a, in a Zoom at work the other day. When the they're going to turn, bring they're going to bring Houston to Philadelphia. <laughs> and it's not going to work. <laughs> no, they're not bringing Houston. Yeah, I hear that. Maybe that's where Maury left. He's like, well, I've given James Harden this player, this player, traded this player, changed the way we play this player. It's not working. So he goes, he's probably thinking, you know what? Maybe it is James. Let me go somewhere else. <laughs> he did all he could to bring people in. Like, shit. But they also brought in uh, Dan Burke, who's with the Pacers. And it's funny because there was a, an interview he had where he was like, I hate the 76ers. And I think Joel Embiid gets away with a lot of crap that the NBA doesn't call, yada, yada, yada. So the, fun, the fact that he's now brought over to the 76ers is hilarious. And Joel Embiid, like, quote tweeted that interview and said, hey, like, essentially, hey, Dan, welcome to Sixers family. Now we can get away with all the bull crap calls together or something like that. <laughs> made, like, a funny – made a funny out of it. But that's just Joel being Joel. Yeah. Um, and just, th- what, what do they say? This league? That's just a, a this league this move. League. This league. Speaking of Houston, they choose uh, Stephen Silas as their head coach. He's a former uh, Mavs assistant. So, congrats to Houston. Hopefully, you guys can uh, get over the proverbial hump, as they say. I feel like the, I feel like the Mavs are always like that, that, that breeding ground for like young up-and-coming coaches. So, mm-hmm. wasn't too surprised. I mean, I, no, no, no. Again, again, I mean, until Harden figures it out on the court, actually capitalizes on something. I mean, I don't care who, I don't care who's coaching them. Right. I agree. Final piece of info, D'Antoni added to the Nets staff under Stevie Nash. Coming back together after a long time. They were the guy that wasn't uh, in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. 
So they're back together. Isn't that funny? You used to coach me. Now I'm your boss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> spin zone. Big time. I mean, spin at that zone. point, they both have so much money. They couldn't, I couldn't, they couldn't care less probably. Mm-hmm. That's all we have for the NBA though. And I, I don't really have any news on the NHL side. That's like crazy. Hockey noteworthy. is over. Hockey is yeah, officially over. We're in the off season. Some moves are being made. Um, but the one thing I do want to bring up, and this is another unfortunate death in the sports realm. It's just, oh, I just I can't believe I it. This. Yeah. With Travis Roy. So for those of you who don't know, don't know Travis Roy, he's 45 years old and he was uh, paralyzed in his first NCAA game as a freshman with BU Boston university back in 1995. So uh, our VP uh, of ticket sales sent out like a nice email at the end of the week, because he's from the New England area, and he was a just growing up a a fan of BU and then Travis Roy playing there, because you know how big hockey is out there. Um, he was paralyzed when he lost control of skating, and his head went in the boards and completely knocked him out for the rest of his career. And he became a a huge advocate for the the field of spinal cord injury and research, and through his foundation, raised millions of dollars where they help bring quality of life to those that have had spinal cord injuries or just in general have complications with, with their back and spinal cord. So he was only 45 passed away and that's tough to see for, for the game, for the sports realm, um, for, for the, for everyone who has spinal cord issues, which you know is extremely, extremely important, especially for someone like myself. Like I've been knocked out before I've been hospitalized. I've been completely numb from head to toe and just blessed that I, I was able to retain everything within a couple hours of movement wise. So this one I can definitely relate and, and, and appreciate. So I want to take the time to, to rest in peace, Travis Roy. And it's a big loss to the hockey community, but his impact is, is immense and we'll always continue moving forward with him in mind. And I just want people to stop. Passing away, especially in the sports world. In the COVID world, it's been kicky when you're down, they say. It's like quicksand. It's been quicksand the last seven, eight months, especially. Just when you think you're getting out, you're back down. Well, that's what we're here for, Joe. Hopefully. We're here to bring the vibes. I hope you'll make hope you'll make it worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, damn it. Listen, These kids, another listen, Sunday listen, sauce podcast. Listen to a podcast you hate. That's your yeah, problem, right? and, you're, and you're an idiot. I was hoping today when I opened my podcast app that I didn't see the Sunday Sauce had a new podcast. Damn it. <laughs> That's all I have, though, today. That's all I have. That's it. Freaking snowed in Boston. And it's oh. freezing out right now. Yeah, I had to bring out the uh, the winter coat in, in uh, New York City and Hoboken, too. But we're not as cold as you guys. Did not see snow. If I see snow... I might like run to Florida. I won't even pick up a bag. I'm just going to put some running shoes on and just go. Cause I'm not ready for the snow. I just, I forgot about winter. Yeah. Like COVID, gonna... COVID, 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 snow. It's like, oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> I don't like this. What are we supposed to do in the winter? I can't snow sit inside my apartment angles. any longer than I already do. Go go play in my my rat covered snow out back. 
Go do snow angels in your parking lot. Yeah. All right. We'll see everyone next week. It'll be what week nine in the NFL on Thursday for our preview, and then episode that sucks too. It's almost over. Football's almost done. No, it's shut up. It's not. It's halfway. You're fine. It's all right. We still have football, so we'll be able to watch that every night. Love you all. As always, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. All we ask is that you share this a little bit. Continue hitting us up with interviews. Again, shout out to Alexa Schmidt and her father for hooking us up with uh, Mr. Wallace. Continue spreading the word for November. Big month ahead. I'll be posting on social probably every day, just checking off the mark of, hey, another two miles down. Hey, this is how much you donated. I'll do like a weekly review on social as well to continue pumping the the Movember brand and the awareness for mental health, suicide prevention, prostate cancer, testicular cancer. We love you all. Don't forget to call Woodbury Insurance too for our boy Gino and congratulate him on his engagement while you're at it. (laughs) (laughs) We love you all. Again, I'm just gonna keep saying it. I love you all. Shut up. We're done. We're done. I'm I'm just talking. (laughs) Take it easy, man. We'll be right back.